0: This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve
1: Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Hanging out live here on Clubhouse with the family at Club Pod. And specifically my brother from another mother. Neil Haley, what is going on, my friend? Good having you here.
0: I I love it. I love it. I wanted you to be part of this and the idea of bringing interesting, very interesting celebrities to co-host with me. And our guest, the first one, wow. And again, I look at it like the days of the boy band and, and, and I hope that our guest does not get upset when you bring out boy band, but we have an amazing guest uh lined up today that's on stage with us
1: yeah and i mean look let's let's jump straight into it without further ado no reason to to wait here jeff timmons is hanging out with us and uh and jeff man it's really really great having you here and uh and i gotta tell you man i um i I know there were a lot of ladies who were uh were really excited about having you here as well do you still still get cat calls when you walk down the street
2: (laughs) well you know look i i don't know if i'd call them cat calls or <laughs> something else but you know <laughs> it is nice to be uh, uh still kicking it around this many years later guys thanks so much for having me and and congrats on your success and it, it's a uh, it's a it's a real honor to be you know uh, a part of the show and in this forum as well i mean this is a new forum for me of course with all the emerging different platforms and technology out there uh you know you, you jump from one to the other and this clubhouse forum seems to be really interesting and cool so thanks again
1: yeah man so give us, uh, give us a sense of where you're at in the world right now. Are you, like, literally, physically, are you still in L.A. in that, in that area, or where are you at physically? Uh,
2: you, you know, look, I've lived in Las Vegas, uh, outside of Las Vegas, about 20 minutes outside of the Strip for 10 years. I, I love it here. I mean, I've lived in New York. I'm from Ohio, right, uh, in the Midwest, and, and lived in New York, lived in L.A. for many years, in Southern Cal for many years, moved to Vegas, and and I just, I absolutely love it here. You know, I, I spend a lot of time in L.A., not as much now, obviously, because of, of the pandemic, yeah. but... Was spending a lot of time in LA, pretty much flying in every week. It, but you know, I, I don't mind doing that at all. I really enjoy the city of Las Vegas, the people here, and it's it's so much different uh, than people think. You know, they, they think of the you know, Vegas and the bright lights and the strip, but there's a lot more that goes along with uh, the culture in Las Vegas.
0: You know what, Jeff, when I think about Vegas in different ways, is again, all the great performers. Do you like that being in that atmosphere that you can hang out with a lot of people that you hung out with when you were touring in your
2: career? Yeah, you know, I love it. And Neil, when I first got here, it wasn't like that at all. You know, Vegas used to have that rep- reputation that this is where you go when you, you know, your career's over, you know, when you're on your last legs. And I got, I came here and I, and I was, you know, part of, you know, I hosted the Chippendales and I was reluctant to do that because I thought, wow, people are going to think, you know, I'm, I'm a stripper now. And, but you know, I came and saw the show. It was a it was a well put together show. It's a Vegas show. It's a production, and I was asked to host it. My wife was like, "You should do it. It's gonna be really fun, and it give us something to do." I, you know, I I had a pretty steady gig doing music out of my house and doing some other stuff. You know, for television placements and, and things of that nature, but. And had been out of the spotlight for, for a while. And she said, Go do it. It'll be fun. And I hosted the show. I did not dance <laughs> in the show. Uh, I wouldn't dream of it after seeing what these guys look like, right? Compared to the way I, I look. But, um, you know, infused some pop music into it, fell in love with Vegas. And what I did notice was, you know, they treat you like a king here when you're an artist or a celebrity. The audience was not in, you know, an older, really older audience, it was a contemporary young audience. Um, and, you know, it, it's such a just a beautiful atmosphere and i thought man you know look i had toured for so many years uh you know there's something about vegas that's really endearing it's kind of like a small town uh a lot lo- a lot of culture with regards to the food and you know i was like wow I, I, people got to know about this because when my colleagues and my peers find out about this they're going to come here and they're going to want to stay because the tour essentially comes to you you don't have to go on tour and i wrote an article uh, robin leach was a dear friend of mine, he's since passed, and uh, he was really great to me when I got here. And he, I wrote a guest column, and I, I think it was either the Review Journal or The Sun where he worked, that that was just, you know, raving about Las Vegas. And 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 when people find out what a cool place it is and that you, can, you don't have to travel and you can make money and you can, you know, have a good nightlife, but you can also have a family and live in a nice place in a suburb outside – it's going to be over. And sure enough, you know, then came Brittany and Backstreet and J-Lo and Ricky Martin and and Gwen and Christina. And so it, it's now become, you know, sort of in vogue to, to have a Vegas uh, a residency and be a part of it here. So I, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to have been, been a part of that.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting story, too, man, because, you know, when you think about it coming from where you came from and then making it to the height of your profession and, and you know, people can argue all day long about, you know, 98 Degrees was this or it was that. But one of the things that 98 Degrees was, for sure, without question, was noticed and was seen and was heard. And so there are so many musical artists out there who never, ever, ever, ever get heard. And so I, I, what I'd love for you to do is shed some light on on what that journey was like. Because how does how does a kid... You know, coming from where you came from, get to the point of of literally being center stage, top hit. I mean, running with the. I mean, like you guys were at the top of the game, and so many people will never get to that point. So I just really want to try to understand a little bit more about the journey and shed some light for for others on on what that looked like. And man, there's got to be some stories.
2: Oh yeah I, there's never a shortage of stories. <laughs> some you can tell, some you can't Neil. <laughs> um, but, but uh, look, it, you know we had a, a sort of a uh, a very interesting journey. I started the group with I'm from a very small town in Ohio and it was primarily primarily a sports town football town. it's known for that. and uh, you know, I was involved in the arts. arts always came easy to me, but I wanted to be a football player <laughs> and it just wasn't in the cards for obvious reasons but, uh, you know, singing and music always came naturally to me, but it was not cool where I was from, you know, so uh, just oddly at a party, some girls wanted us to sing. And it, and I was with some old friends in college and, uh, you know, I parted out a, a four part harmony version of My Girl, uh, which is an old Temptation song, of course. And we did an acapella version of it. And, and whether it was good or not, I, I don't know to this day, but I thought it was at the time because of the reaction we got. And. But to me, I thought, you know, having a background in music, uh, I thought it sounded really surprisingly good for guys that weren't supposed to be singers. And I just started the group that way, migrated to LA because none of this existed. There was no YouTube, there was no Instagram, Facebook. Uh, You know, you couldn't do things on social media to get discovered. You had to literally physically pick up and go to the places uh, you know, where you could try to make a dent and, and you know, uh, try to live your dream. And those places for music were New York and primarily L.A. And just, went to LA. just
1: hold on. So, Jeff, just so I'm clear, you went out you went out solo or did you guys go out? I mean, as the as the group that we know it to be now?
2: Well, no, it wasn't the same group of guys. It was it was some guys I went to college with at the time um, and we called ourselves something else. We were called Just Us. Uh, we had a couple different names, but we we drove to L.A. cross country and uh, my we, we lived in LA for a little bit and used to sing and drop the hat and sing a cappella and try to get attention and get noticed and we were really getting noticed by a lot of notables in the industry. <laughs> you know, we would we would sing outside of clubs, we sang to get into the tonight show, uh, with Jay Leno was the host at the time, and um, you know, sang to get on Disney's lot uh, to get discovered. Uh saying So on just just so Promenade. we're clear here,
1: just so we're clear, you're saying you and the fellas literally just stood outside of wherever the places were that you were trying to get into. And like you said, just kind of put out the hat and started singing. That's how, that's how committed you guys were to the wow, process. That's wow. right. Yeah. That's
2: right. We, that's what we did. And, and we literally did mm. drop the hat. We dropped the hat and tried to make money. Now we, whatever we would make, we would spend on beer, of course, because we had no <laughs> responsibilities. <laughs> and we, you know, we had this, uh, we had this tree in our apartment. We called it the money tree. And, you know, we were going to put all the money we made uh, from dropping the hat on this tree uh, that lasted. We put one hundred dollar bill up there and that was gone the next day. And hmm. and, and we, it was it was tons of Miller Lite and, and all that stuff. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, well, anyway, we uh we got discovered doing that. We, we were singing acapella. The guys I was originally with, with it wasn't for them. Uh, they kind of wanted to go back and be part of the, uh, you know, the small town sort of uh, environment that we grew up in, which I totally respect. But I didn't want to give up on it. So I started auditioning folks in L.A. Uh, I could not find anybody which in the the area that's supposed to be the mecca of talent. (laughs) I I couldn't find anybody that was either committed enough or, you know, had the right attitude or right work ethic or desire or vision. So it was really hard. It wasn't until I was introduced to another guy from Ohio that was in L.A. as an actor that knew Nick uh, and he literally gave me a tape, you know, a tape you know audio tape I don't know if folks know are we talking like is, a cassette but... tape a cassette,
1: cassette tape. Yeah. tape got it yeah. yeah got
2: it a lot of folks don't know what that is anymore but I uh Nick was singing with a, a blues band a club band and Justin from our group was in the band with him uh, they played horns and did covers and uh I, I popped the tape in my cassette player and listened to it and I fell in love with Nick's voice I thought he was amazing I had no idea what he looked like Ah, uh, there wasn't any place I couldn't go to his Facebook page or oh, Google wow, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to go with well. I hope, I hope the guy's good looking. I love his voice, so I called him up, and talked to him and convinced him that he should be a part of this. He drove uh, across country and joined me, and that was the first time I saw him. Is when he, I met him in L.A. Uh, you know, eventually he brought his brother and Justin out, and that's how we started the group. And and again, singing a cappella and trying to be resourceful and keeping that hustle going we sang backstage at a boys the men concert boys the men were our idols we wanted to be signed to motown like them we wanted to get signed like them uh like they did and so we we snuck our way backstage and sang and we got discovered there and eventually got signed to motown and eventually toured with boys the men so it was really like a dream coming into fruition in wow. and in a lot ways better than i had imagined it i've been very very blessed and fortunate
0: now, Jeff, did you think in your own mind, did you think when you you, you got Nick and and all this that that it was going to become this big? Did you, Like you said, you were kind of just trying to make it to, as a singer and then bam, you you are the one that discovered. You were the discovery person. Did you believe that at that time you had something special and it was going to be big?
2: Well, I, you know, look, I, I, I had a feeling the very first time the first guy saying it was going to be big. And again, I, I when we but like I was saying at the beginning, I don't know if it really was good or or I was just kind of you know that sort of ignorance is bliss sort of thing. But there was something special that I felt about it the very first time I did it with did the did a, did an acapella performance with the the other guys and uh, just the way it resonated, just the way people reacted was different than other you know, little groups or doo-wop bands or, you know, four-part choir groups or anything that I'd been a part of before. And I was like, wow, there could be something really here. And Boys II Men was popular at the time. I used to, you know, I would listen to the radio in my hometown in Ohio in the basement, and I heard Boys Demand Men for the first time on the radio, and I didn't know what that was. And this is back in the day that, you know, you had to wait for it to come on again or call and request yep, it. Yeah, yep, I hours. remember that. So I heard It's So Hard to Say Goodbye on the radio in my basement one o'clock in the morning and literally called the radio station all night wanting them to play that again you know and so uh, for us to go backstage and sing for them and or sing you know at their concert in la you know a year later and then you know 15 years later touring with them uh, i wouldn't have imagined it to answer your question i i felt like it would be i had a feeling that it would be good and big And again, uh, certainly the guys in 98 Degrees, a different level of talent. You know, once, once we got, you know, those guys together, it was really special. And, uh, and I thought it would be big and I hoped it would be, and I dreamed it would be, and it did get big, but some of the things you could you would never imagine. I would never imagine, you know, flying all over the world and standing in front of Michael Jackson and performing for him and getting to perform with Mariah Carey and Steve, and the list goes on of just, just wonderful things, you know, impacting people and them telling us their song changed their lives and and getting to go all over the world. And I, I just, I didn't, I had never experienced that. So I didn't know what to expect with something like yeah. that. So some of this stuff was uh, much larger and more profound than I had ever envisioned it being.
1: Yeah, take, and take us through the money, man. How, how, how does it work in the industry? So you show up, you start singing, you start getting some interest, you sneak backstage, Boys to Men likes you. They go, yeah, let me let me connect you with this. I assume they connected you with their, pe- their people at that point.
2: Well, Boys t- the Men weren't even the people that we connected with. Someone snatched us up before we could get to Boys the Men. There was there was a there was a singer named Montel Jordan who who sang a song called This Is How We Yeah, Do it. for sure. It was really popular back then. His road manager oh, yeah. kind of stopped us from going and connecting with Boys the Men backstage. He kind of he kind of uh, you know took us aside and said he wanted to 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 manage us and you know, look, we were so excited just to be backstage, right? We were uh, someone wants to manage us. We took his card and then he was our first uh experience in the management area.
1: So, so what did that deal look like? Like, I'm just curious how that works. I'm sure it's a little bit different now, but but then how, how did that work? Like, what did that first deal look like for you? Because obviously your first deal is probably always going to be your worst deal, which is why you probably don't want to sign a long-term deal. But what, what, like, can you give us any insight, like what a first deal well, looked all, like for you at the that deals point? deals
2: aren't, aren't very favorable then. And they aren't very favorable <laughs> now either. Now you have a, more opportunities at your disposal. So if you're a lot more savvy and you can become educated in the business a lot easier now because there are more tools at your disposal. Uh, there's more out there to be discovered. There are more people talking about it overtly uh, than when we could do it. But you know the the deal, the record deals are favorable to the labels. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, we we had enough success that we were able to make a good living and still are able to live off that but certainly there were other people that made lots and lots more (laughs) of the of the pie than we did so did you have guidance jeff when this happened when you got when you got we didn't we that's not traditionally you don't as a new artist and especially if you're not with you know someone that's a veteran in the business our our first time manager he was a road manager that became a regular manager so he wasn't really educated and And well versed in the in the way deals were done, he said he was, but he wasn't. But and then you know, look, when we were getting all that attention, he was getting a lot of attention. So you know, rather than rock the boat, you know, he was going to go along for the ride uh, anyway, and 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 collect information and contacts, and you know, sort of look out, uh, you know, for his best interests as well. And certainly, you can understand why somebody would do that if they weren't familiar with how the business works. But no, there wasn't anybody. You you know, it was it was education by you know by by experience and you know now many years later i'm able to use all of those experiences to help me tailor my career and businesses and and other things so you know at the time it's very painful <laughs> but you know many le- years later i'm thankful for the experience and grateful to have had that unique experience that i've i've been able to learn and become more educated and more sort of in tune with what goes on uh in in the area of the business side of it because it is the entertainment business the, the music business so uh, it's important to know and learn and under, get an understanding of those things.
1: Yeah. So, did you take and, and and just trying to figure out like the the best way to word this without being you know like mm, let me just say it. So, did you take those early experiences then, and were you able to leverage those into something more beneficial for you for you for from a career standpoint moving forward, or did you kind of sign away too much at that point so you, you, you it's kind of hard to dig yourself out of that hole.
2: Well, look, fortunately for us, we were so popular that we generated enough money that we were, we are we're all set. We're good even if okay. the deals were bad. If yeah. that's what you're asking. Yeah. yeah. That's we, good we didn't yeah. We, none of us were in the poorhouse. Uh, Steve, I we, we were able we were able to be blessed and fortunate enough to have made so much uh generated so much uh, you know, gross income for everybody involved that even our small sliver of the pie is good enough for us to live on. And as far as experiences you know, you take that and you parlay those experiences and to be becoming a better businessman. And, Mm -hmm. and you can all, you know, there, there is, uh, you know, there is something to be said for being a good businessman and being fair. You don't have to be a cutthroat businessman. You don't have to, you know, screw people out of deals. You can give everybody their due what they deserve. And there's still enough left to go around, you know? So, so many of the people I've encountered in the business want to take all of it. Right. And, and don't, you know, there, it's almost like a, it, you know, uh, sort of a, a game within a game, right? That they have to have wow. all of it, yeah. you get none of it. But, you know, there are ways to have success and uh, appreciate the, the business side of things and give people what they do. There's plenty to go around if you do it the right way.
1: Yeah. So ah, I got to ask this, man. I mean, you're a good looking guy. You're still a good looking guy. You were a good looking guy then. You're still a good looking guy now. There must have been, how hard was it? I mean, to be honest, right, with everything that was going on there for you, I mean, you must have just people, girls just throwing themselves left, right and center. Like, how crazy did it get? What's the craziest did it get as far as all that goes?
2: It got probably crazier than you can imagine. So if if, if it's your craziest Entourage episode, it's probably their crazier story.
0: No, 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 man. You can't. You couldn't couldn't have lived the Entourage life. Really? Give us one story then.
2: Oh, Uh, come on, uh, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you well, look, like I said, if you've seen entourage, you've seen it is a crazy experience. So, you know, obviously, when you start, when you're a young guy in college, you start a group like this, you, you do it for superficial reasons. You want to be famous, you want to be rich, and you want to meet girls. And so, as young guys, those were kind of our thing. But once you get into the business side of things and you're really, you know, it's a job, right? You have to work every day, you've got to get out there and grind. You, you don't have any time to really sleep. And you, you know, it's a very competitive business, especially if you're comps and people that, they're comparing you to are like the Backstreet Boys and InSync that are having extraordinary amounts of success. So you want to focus and, and try your hardest and cultivate your career. And so while that stuff was great in the beginning, exciting and fun, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to get up and go to the go to work, right? You have to be fresh and be ready to go. And you got to perform and you have to do interviews and you have to travel and you have to make sure you're treating everybody with respect and you're taking care of people and you're reading contracts and it, it goes on and on and on. Right. And again, blessed to have, have that opportunity to be that busy. But you also want to be a professional. Right. You want to make sure you're doing it. So while that stuff is cool and excited, exciting and it's, you know, it's at your disposal after about the first three months of it, 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 it wasn't that exciting anymore. You're like, OK, this is great. None of it's real. It's so crazy and and so hyperbolic that you start to go, all right, what is real? You know, I have to find out what's real. And really, you just have to you have to look internally. You have to take a deep breath and you have to meditate on everything and take some time to get quiet and and really evaluate what's real and what's not. It's what's important, what's not. So. You know, that stuff's fun. And again, it can, you know, use your imagination as crazy as you want it to be. I, I promise you I have a crazier story. Oh, uh, and, and, it, and and it is a, it is a, an extraordinary lifestyle and you can easily buy into it and live it. And it's a very self-destructive lifestyle as well. Or you can say, oh, cool. I got to experience this. I did see this. This was pretty crazy. And then you go, all right, let's get back to work. How can we get better as a group? How can we stay relevant? How can we keep ourselves working? And how can we make a better product and better uh, uh, environment for our fans? And so that's what was important to us. It's a it's a boring answer yeah. <laughs> for you guys probably, but that's no, it's good. It's, you know, you want to be the best that you can at this at your podcast, right? You want to continue to grow it. This is your niche. It's a very you know this is a very competitive space. So you know, great. It's you know the celebrity stuff's great, and and it does have its you know so- certainly has its perks. But if you if you have the desire create music and you see the impact it makes with fans and it's giving you a living and then it ultimately gives your family a living, then you want to make sure you, you preserve the your integrity with that. And you have, you know, you sort of, uh, uh, you kind of have, you see it as sacred for yourself. So, you know, and it's a very competitive business and you're lucky to do it. The chances of selling 10 million records are one in 55 million. So that's, wow. th- those are slim odds. And, you know, you should, should really respect that. And, have reverence toward that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And as you, just out of curiosity, it's like as you look back on it, were there, do you think there were unfair comparisons to you and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all that? Or do you think that the kind of the rising tide helped to, to lift all of you? Was it in, in hindsight, was, was there any, were you, were you treated unfairly at all, do you think, in that in that conversation?
2: absolutely not right you know look I'm honored to be affiliated with groups that sold hundreds of millions of records and t- toward the world you know and won yeah. tons of awards right yeah, definitely. you know it, but getting back to what we're talking about you know uh you know five years of our junior here I was uh you know in my basement dreaming about it right and and to be compared with these groups that are you know legendary you know they're going to be known forever in the business right whatever genre you want to consider their music to be they're You know, you you, you intro to, but hey, whatever it is, you you got noticed, right? So uh, to be noticed, not just noticed, compared to groups that are, you know, legendary groups, some of the highest selling groups of all time, I'm all for it. At the time, we did consider ourselves a little bit different uh, in that, you know, we didn't put ourselves together. Our music slanted a little more R&B, so we thought there were some differences, but certainly didn't shy away from the comparison at all. We were honored. We knew those guys. I, we're friends with all of them till, to this day, even closer than ever. And, you know, they're going through a journey. That's not that easy too. I, again, nobody's asking anybody for any sympathy. We are very blessed to get to do uh, this for a living to had this unique experience, but it is not as easy as everybody thinks. So you yeah. have this sort of relatable uh, experience with these guys that gives you an extra amount of respect for them, even, you know, outside of them as people and outside of their talent.
1: So, just and one, I'll let you jump in here one second, Neil, but be honest. Okay. So I, I understand the, you know, the the NSYNC, the Backstreet Boys and all that, but once they threw you in the same bucket as Color Me Bad, that's where you had to draw the line, right?
2: Color Me Bad is probably <laughs> the most vocally talented group out of all of them. <laughs> so I've interviewed someone from, from Color Me Bad, Steve. Steve. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, please. And in fact, Color Me Bad, you know, Brian Abrams is probably considered the best singer out of all these groups. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So and I toured with Brian, and and Brian used to blow me off the stage with his voice. I I was like I can't go. He used to go on before me, and I'm like I can't go on after that guy. So oh. so please compare us to Color Me Bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, so, so I'm definitely going to jump into that with the the whole boy band craze. When do you think it finally died? If you look at the years till it finally kind of disappeared, you know. Well, right. So
2: at first yeah. we weren't we weren't even considered a boy band. We were considered a vocal group, and it wasn't until you know, Backstreet got really popular, and NSYNC did, and we came back. We, we went overseas, and boy band was a wildly popular term in the U.K. and Southeast Asia. We were like, boy band? What's that? They keep calling us a boy band. And this was right when we first had had some hits on the radio. And that that term over there had a lot of respect to it. That means you're a really popular group. In, in the U.S., it's corny. The U.S. is a little, little backward compared to the rest of the world. Uh, I, you know, it was interesting to think that the that everybody follows the trends of the U.S., but the U.S. is late on the trends. <laughs> you know, EDM, dance music, that stuff was the rage over there. Boy bands were the rage over there beforehand. And then the U.S. catches up. U.S. is the number one market in the world, so everybody wants to obviously break in the U.S. But we were fortunate enough to break a lot of different places. But, um, you know, getting to your question, the boy band era sort of died when I think, you know. Uh, First of all, uh, the media loved that era. That's when CDs were really really selling a lot. Uh, a lot of the internet started getting developed. So there was an explosion of sales and listenership that hadn't existed before. Obviously, this is before YouTube and internet radio and all the things, you know, social media, all those things existed. So in traditional forums, pop music was bigger than ever than that era in, 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 in traditional forums. So they all loved it. But what happened was some of the older guys got tired of the genre and i really think what tipped it was and certainly it's not the group o-town because those guys are amazing and friends of ours we toured with them but when the making of the band came out and became a national tv show i think that that's when you know that's right when it was starting to end that era and i just think that's sort of like the the show itself not the guys but the premise of the show itself was so different than any of us had experienced that i think it's sort of like might have made people think that that's how everybody got to where they were getting in in the genre. So I think that, you know, 2002, 2003 was probably the real big end of it and then certainly it resurfaced uh I'd say 2011 and it, it it's not going to go away because all of those, you know, teen teenage girls, mostly teenage girls and you know some of them even younger, we did a lot of stuff with Nickelodeon and Disney. You know, they're they're all reliving that that era in their life which is an innocent era where they could go out and have fun. The world has now changed since then and you know if there's a certain affinity they they have for that era and it's not necessarily because of us in the music but that sort of time period in their life and so they are now at a point where they get to use this experience to get with people that they used to be, you be able to become friends with and share the experience with so you know that part of it's never never going to go away i don't think
1: yeah Let's do this, man. Let's, uh, let's bring people up to speed uh, in terms of what you're doing now. And uh, just out of respect for your time, and don't want to wanna take too much of it. I know it's a little bit uh, late already here. So let me let me just give you the opportunity to bring us up to speed on what what are you doing now? What does somebody do after having that sort of career and being known as you were known? What what are you doing now?
2: Well, you know, outside of like panhandling, you know, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I just don't know what I'm going to do, Steve. Uh, maybe I'll start a podcast and on clubhouse yeah um, well you are starting no, a podcast a and i know that's stuff.
1: coming up and i want to hear about that as well but what else are you doing that's got to be a minor piece of it
2: yeah no it, it is We've, you know i've been very fortunate I, you know like i said when we got off the road i was always pretty prolific in the studio and you know found my way around there pretty well so i was able to survive and support my family outside of what we made in the group and continue my career as a songwriter and producer for other people and for television shows and you know i've got some great partners. Uh, that I work with right now, and we we're landing and and creating a bunch of uh, you know television shows for streaming services and documentaries, and we're big in the tech space. We've got three or four really cool emerging tech things that marry tech and entertainment that they're going to be coming to the forefront very shortly. Of course, you know, try to dabble in a bunch of other stuff. 98 Degrees has is back and has been touring probably stronger than we ever have in the last you know seven years uh consistently selling out shows all over the place we've been really lucky to, to have an engaged fan base that's still there for us and supporting us and we love it they're more excited than ever so that you know i'm busier now than i actually was uh back in the early 2000s so i've been very fortunate and you know i, I mentioned you guys i'm doing a podcast i know you guys are experts in that space and have had a ton of success so uh you know I'm, I'm supposed to be releasing that with some really great partners soon uh you know one of the things they're talking about doing is building a studio here and having a proper release but you, who knows, we have a bunch of inter- interviews in the can. We, we we just might start releasing those sooner than later. Nice. That's great. See, that's great. Talk about
0: the podcast, because that's, again, what this room's all about, uh, Steve, is podcasting in so many ways. Um, what? How are you going to prepare yourself to do a podcast,
2: Jeff? Like, what, well, it's what, easy. We, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty easy. I mean, you just sit there and you have conversations. I know a lot of people have been overthinking. What's, what's the niche? What's the, what's the tagline? You know, look, you, you, obviously everybody wants to be the next Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan doesn't have a structured way uh, of doing his podcast. He gets on and talks about whatever with, you know, pretty, pretty established A-list people that are very from different walks of life. And they just talk about life and the stuff that they're promoting. Right. So uh, I'm not doing anything different than that. I should be, you know, a hundredth of. uh Uh, you know, if I get a hundredth of the fan base that, that Joe Rogan has, I'll be really happy, but it's just something fun to do. I'm always one. We've talked about my journey and how it's been different. And, you know, it's not really a cookie cutter way to have success. And again, some of the odd ways that people, you know, go about having success. I find that fascinating. So certainly we're going to talk about that. And then we're just going to talk about topics of the day too, you know, and we have, and so you learn about people and their journeys that you might not expected the traditional way that you see on an interview on Kimmel or, uh, you know, a morning show like, uh, you know, Ryan and Kelly that, you know, asks, they're, they're fantastic <laughs> at what they do, but they ask traditionally the same questions over and over again. We're just trying to keep it fresh.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And so folks can keep an eye on, uh, for what, what is the name? Do you, do you have the name? Cause it sounds like you kind of dance a little bit around it, but what, uh, what, what is the name of it going to be?
2: We don't have the name yeah, yet. I We're thought. still trying to yeah. figure
1: that out. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll have to keep an eye out for it, man. All right. Let me do this. Let me just, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a couple of people the, at least the opportunity to ask a question if they wanted to ask a question. So let me just go ahead here and keep that hand open. All right, Kim. Yeah, come on up and uh, maybe we'll take one more after Kim uh, as well. Kim, what's your, what's your question for Jeff? Hi, guys. Uh, my question is, what do you think about hosting meeting greets with fans once concerts start back up? Will it still happen six feet apart or do you uh, think that it's better maybe another time around just to be safe for you guys?
2: Well, look, I love the meet and greets. I mean, we uh, we I mean, I think that's outside of, you know, the performances and the concerts have a lot of uh, great things about them and benefits for, get, for of getting up on stage. The meet and greets to me are the best part of the show because you get to give people a little bit of a unique experience and it, it changes it up for us, too the reactions are always different. The questions are always different. So I'm all for it. Look, when everybody feels safe to go back and do it, I want it to go back just the way it was. We used to do really cool meet and greets. We had this this thing where we would even do meet and greets in our dressing room for a limited amount of fans where they can just hang out with us there and and make it really special and unique. So, uh, you know, the sooner we can get back to those and, and give people a better experience than the run of the mill stand in front of the step and repeat and shake hands and you know, thank you, by that's always great too. But you know, we we try to make it a, the experience a little bit more memorable. Thank you, thank you. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. All right, Neil, let's. Uh, I think we're good here, man. Let's, uh, let's let Jeff get on get on his way. Yeah, Thanks, Kim. Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity yeah. for you guys to hang out here with us and in, uh, in Club Pod. Be sure to put your thumb on that little greenhouse at the top there and. Join us here in Club Pod if you're not already a member or a follower. And, uh, Jeff, be sure to follow me and be follow, follow Neil before you go just so we can keep in touch and hopefully bring you back up on some additional stages as well. Anything to add before we, uh, before we wrap, Jeff?
2: No, I just want to thank you guys for having me. Continued success. And, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what's next from you guys. You guys are great. Thank you so much for your time.
0: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Great having everybody here. We will make it official and talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio and, of course, here in Club Pod. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com.